Shalom. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Emmaus Road Fellowship, where we encounter Yeshua in the scriptures. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org, where you'll find additional teachings and information on visiting us in Kingwood, Texas. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving to support Emmaus Road's mission of spreading the good news of the kingdom. May God grant you shalom in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. So this week our our portion is Ba'et Hanan, which is, and I pleaded, talking about Moses asking the Lord to, to let him go into the land. And the Lord's response to Moses is that he can't go in. You know, um, the Lord's already told him this, but Moses was looking for a time of favor. Perhaps God would relent and allow him to at least go in and see the land. Not that he would lead, right? Because the Lord had already told him that, that Joshua would lead. But God said, no, you're not going to cross over. And in Deuteronomy 3.28, he says, But command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. Now, that passage always stands out to me. Because Joshua, in Hebrew, is Yoshua. Okay? Sometimes we hear it said Yehoshua, but like normally it would be pronounced a little bit faster than the broken uh, way I might do it. So it, it sounds more like Yoshua, which is very close to Yeshua, right? Yoshua is God is salvation, and Yeshua is essentially the shortened form, Aramaic form that was used in the time of Yeshua's life. And it actually lines up very much with the Hebrew word of salvation, just spelled a little bit differently. But it sounds the same, Yeshua. And uh, so within the scripture, God's saying that it's through the one who follows Moses, the one who leads after him, who is going to cause the people to inherit the land. Right. And he and the Lord tells Moses to strengthen him and give him resolve. And we see Moses do that in Deuteronomy 31. Moses says, to Joshua, he said, It's the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, just as the Lord has spoken. So, when you're seeing this, um, at least what I see in it as well, is this is almost a parallel statement of the Lord your God will cross ahead of you. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you. Right? It's Joshua, along with God, going forward to give deliverance and inheritance. Just as Yeshua, the Son of God, came and by the power of God causes us to inherit the promises that have been laid before us. So Moses strengthens him and he says, Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn, sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So Moses is giving encouragement to Joshua as he's heading out on this high calling and encouraging that God is going to be with him. Okay. Fast forward a little bit to the time when Joshua is getting ready to, to lead the people into the land in Joshua 1. God says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the Torah, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the Torah shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So it was repeated, here is the, the call to be strong and courageous. But God was saying to Joshua that one of the keys to him being able to go and do what he was to do is to cling to the word of the Lord, to do according to what had been commanded to Moses, and not to stray to the right or to the left, and but to meditate on the word all the days of his life. And we see a lot of these themes in this week's portion, where Moses is 
giving exhortation and encouragement to the children of Israel that when they go into the land, they're not to forget their God, but they're to, to cling to him. All right? In Deuteronomy 5, Moses says, So shall you observe to do just as the Lord your God has commanded. You shall, you shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. You shall walk in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded you, that, that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you will possess. So the encouragement over and over throughout this portion is that the keeping of the covenant, the holding fast to what God has commanded, is life and goodness to those who, who pursue the Lord and who, who cling tightly to him. And he continues on in Deuteronomy 4, going to read verses 1 through 10. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live, and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who hold fast or cling to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of all the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this Torah that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children so. So this passage always stands out to me about how God has given the Torah to the children of Israel as a covenant relationship document, right? Instructing them and in, in how to live according to his ways. And that when the nation of Israel walks according to those ways, the nations of the world would be in awe at how righteous and awesome this one true God is. That the righteousness revealed through carrying out and, and being walking in obedient faithfulness unto the Lord would be a revelation of God to the nations. And I don't know that we've always uh, considered the Torah to be such, at least not throughout all of, all of church history. Right? Um, it didn't take very long. Uh, if you've ever read Justin Martyr's, uh, he wrote a book, Conversations with Trifo. And in it, there were a lot of railing accusations against the Jews. A lot of it saying that it's only because you were so evil that God gave this Torah to you as a curse. Right? And it's shocking to read some of the things that were said from the early church fathers. And it's disturbing. And it's not in, in alignment with Scripture. <laughs> and unfortunately, that became a a root that uh, that worked its way into faith in Yeshua and then grew up over the years, right? And, and still in some areas is a part of core belief that the Torah was a curse or a burden, right? Rather than an absolute blessing, right? The Lord says that uh, his, his words are life to those who find them, right? His words are are that of Torah. His words are that of the revelation of who he is, of his nature, of his character. Right? But we've gotten into a mindset that um, sometimes laws might be uh, just religion. Right? We've got, uh, sometimes I think religion is thought to be a four-letter word, but it's actually eight. Um, but it's, it's thought to be bad. And I've heard a lot of people say, you know, we've got enough religion. We don't need that, right? 
And, and, you know, in some aspects, that's absolutely true, right? Because if you think of religion as just rituals that are done uh, to satisfy a God, then, yeah, the world has enough religion, okay? And we've often stated that it's, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship, right? Because that's what covenants really are. Covenants are, are put in place when there's a relationship to protect and to keep. And then the terms of the covenant uphold the relationship and strengthen it. I was thinking about, you know, your, your house rules, right? So do you have rules in your house? You know? and, and you do, right? Or most people do. At least if you want some kind of peace in your house, you probably have to have some rules. <laughs> and the, the rules, like if your kids were to follow your rules, you might be like, look how religious they are. <laughs> It's like, well, no, 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 no. They, they're, they're not being religious. Instead, it's like they're carrying out these rules that we put in place that will actually facilitate the ability of us to walk in relationship and to have a healthy environment at home, right? And so these, the house rules are, are a good thing. They're a way of life that facilitate relationship. Um, and so when we look at, you know, God's Torah, we could say, oh, well, let's break it into parts. And let's say, okay, well, certain things here, maybe that's just ritual. Let's not do that because that's too religion-y. Let's just go with the spiritual aspects or allegorize it. And that's where we run into, into some difficulties. Um, because we, in that, we set apart, we, we set aside God's commandment, which is given to be a revelation of who he is, and we replace it with something else. Right? Because spiritual sounds good and the flesh sounds bad. Right? But what God is saying is, to his, to his children is be careful to do all that I tell you because it's wisdom, it's righteousness, it's a revelation of his character. Back in the, uh, back in the old days, you know, long ago, the aspect of uh, religion wasn't as defined as it is today. Instead, every nation had a culture, right? They had a, a way of life and a way of worshiping their gods. And it was just a part of who they were. Okay? Um, and when God gave the Torah to Israel, he was giving them a culture and a way of life. He was, you know, in a way, kind of house rules, but not exactly like house rules. But anyway, it was, it was really to be a way of life. It was to be interwoven into the fabric of who you are. Right? So, like, when we're singing, to worship you, I live, to worship you, I live, I live, to the desire of our hearts is to just have worship of God interwoven into our lives, into our, the fabric of our beings to where that's what our thoughts are. That's what our actions are. They're all expressing this love toward God. And to, to try to separate the actions and the heart, I don't know, it's more of a, a uh, philosophical thing is, is what I think. Um, because all of our actions are to flow forth from our very being. Ones that, you know, the scripture says that we're to place his words upon our heart and we're to meditate on them. When we do those things, they become a part of who we are and it's then out of love that it springs forth. And when we don't walk according to God's ways, when we start to go in the stubbornness of our own heart, then God is going to raise up prophets to send to us to, to tell us, hang on, you've gone to the right or to the left. You know, here's the right way to walk in it. And <clears throat> sometimes the prophets don't actually do what they're supposed to do. Um, and and God finds disfavor with them. And before I go there, you know, just kind of staying with the religion thing for a moment. Last week we talked about how Isaiah rebuked the children of Israel, or the Lord really rebuked the children of Israel through the prophet Isaiah, for, and saying, "Stop bringing all these sacrifices when you have blood on your hands." Right. This is the case. That's the case where religion is bad. 
where the action isn't flowing forth from the heart, where it is just, well, I'm going to give window dressing to the Lord. I'm going to go do my checks, check these things off and say, yep, I've satisfied God. Now let me go satisfy myself. Does that make sense? Where you, where you separated the word, the, the, uh, the commands God has given us to walk in from the way you really live and operate. And so God calls his people to repentance. There's, there's one, one thing along these lines I wanted to go to before. Is it Matthew 7? Yeshua is, is speaking, and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart me from me, you workers of lawlessness. And he goes on to say, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine but does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So Yeshua was encouraging the children of Israel to listen to his words and act on them, right? And again, he, his message is one of, do what I've commanded, not just to check a box, but, but to actually draw near such that I know you. That's what he said to the people who had done some things in his name. He said, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. Instead, I want to know you. I want to know you. I, I want to have a relationship with you, and I want you to do according to the words that I'm saying. And when you do those things, you'll be the wise one who built his house upon the rock so that it can stand. Right? That's, that's the picture of what... What God's call is for us to, to cultivate within our hearts. Um, when we aren't walking to that, I believe God would be sending us prophets who are saying, turn back to the ways of the Lord. Right? And when you turn back to the ways of the Lord, what do you do? You turn back to the weighty things of the, of the Lord's word, right? which are mercy, justice, and faithfulness. That's what Yeshua said in Matthew 23. So it's like, that's where you, you turn your heart. That's your starting place. And then from there, you build. But there were times when people weren't hearing. And I'm going to break off from my plan. We're going to kind of find our way through some things. So we'll see what's going on. The... Um, one of the key themes this week is that this week is Shabbat Nachamu, right? Which is the Sabbath of comfort. Last week, we, we talked a little bit about this, the, the seven weeks of consolation that were coming. Because we had just gone through three weeks of mourning, marking the 17th of Tammuz up to the 9th of Av, which was the destruction of the temple. And... This past Wednesday night, as the, the fast of Av was beginning, we read the Book of Lamentations. In the Book of Lamentations, it talks about how there was no one to console Israel. And, and Israel didn't have a comforter. Right? But it's God's desire to be the comforter. It's God's desire to call out to those who have fallen, to those who have turned away and have now become desolate to call them back to himself because he desires restoration, right? He desires none to perish, but for all to come to repentance is what Second Peter says. So God sends prophets to call people back to himself. And when he calls prophets to, to turn people back to himself, He's not sending prophets to say, hey, 
you're good. Whatever it is you're doing, just keep going. There's grace for that. You know? It, that's not the message. The message is turn from your ways. You know, you've gone to the right or to the left. Now you need to get back on the straight and narrow. And in Jeremiah 23, I think part of the reason I'm struggling today and this week is that I felt the Lord talking a lot about false prophets this week. It's not something I commonly talk about. I like to talk about happy things. <laughs> but, but really, there was, there was a message about false prophets. And the false prophets, you know, um, aren't necessarily always plain and easy to see. Right? Sometimes it, it can be difficult to discern what the false prophet is. There's, you know, just previous, uh, prior to the verses that I read in Matthew just a moment ago about saying, I don't know you. Yeshua gave a warning saying, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but in, 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 inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn, brush, thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So, He's making it clear here that it's not always going to be evident when looking at someone to know what's really the content. Because they can look like sheep, sheep but really be wolves in sheep's clothing. And we have to know them by their fruit. In Deuteronomy 13, I'm sorry I'm jumping around. We're going to make it back to Jeremiah in a minute. Um, but <laughs> in Deuteronomy 13, which is something we'll read two weeks from now. God gives examples of people who try to lead Israel astray and saying, do not listen to these people, whether it's a prophet, whether it's your brother, you know, um, or whether it's an entire city. And the first one, I just wanted to look at that. I think I have it in here. I do. Okay. I'm going to start. Uh, I telling Diego I'm getting into trouble with when I do my study and take my notes I'm looking at a, a Bible that has the Hebrew numbering the Jewish numbering of the chapters and verses and then I go and I put the the verses in here which has Christian numbering and we end up not having the right verses on the screen sometimes so we're only off by a, a verse here <laughs> but it starts out Deuteronomy 13 1 or probably 12 whatever the last verse is in your Bibles, says the entire word that I command you, that shall you observe to do. You shall not add to it and you shall not subtract from it. That should sound familiar, right? So we just read that in Deuteronomy 4. And then he says, if there should stand up in your midst, okay, I'll read it from what you're seeing on the screen. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass and if he says, let us go after others, other gods which you have not known and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold, hold fast him or cling to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Okay. That's where I wanted to stop. So the Lord says, even if someone comes with convincing signs and wonders, but if they lead you away from the word which I've commanded you through my servant Moses, then you're not to believe them. Right? So the, the check here to say, is a prophet, a true prophet, one of the ways to say this, is to say, where is he pointing you? Is he pointing you to the Torah of God or away from the Torah of God? And that's what it says here in this, in this last part where it says, to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. To make you leave the Torah of the Lord your God. Right? That would be 
a false prophet. And when we think about the end days that are coming, we know false prophets will arise. That's what we're told in Second Peter and in other places, that false prophets are going to arise and they will be convincing. And they can lead astray. So how will we identify who a, who a true prophet is if we don't know the word of God? That's going to be the ultimate thing, is to hear their words and to go back and say, okay, does, let me test the spirits on this. Let me test the, wor- the words that I'm hearing. Does it align with the, with the words of God? Am I being pointed back to, to the Lord or am I, be point, am I being pointed away? So when we hear people say, now you're okay, do according to how you feel, then we might, we might need to question that, right? Now, in Jeremiah 23, the scripture says, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the shepherds who are attending my people, You have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not attended to them. Behold, I am about to attend to you for the evil of your deeds, declares the Lord. Then I myself shall gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and shall bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. I shall also raise up shepherds over them, and they will tend them, and they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will be, nor will be any missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely, and this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Adonai Tzadokainu. Okay? And so, you know, I mentioned when the people are without hope, it's God's desire to see hope restored. It's his desire to meet them in their place of discomfort and call them back to him such that he can comfort them. Did you know that you have, you have to receive the comfort of the Lord? Right? And, and a key to doing that is turning to the Lord, turning from sin and turning with repentance back to God. And then you can receive the comfort that he wants to give. God sent Yeshua as a comforter, right? In the darkest of times, God sent Yeshua as a comforter. And Yeshua came and he ministered. And at the end of his ministry, he's coming to Jerusalem. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I, ha- would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing? See, your house is left to you des- desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So he's saying, I longed to draw you near under my wings, but you weren't willing. You wouldn't hear the call to repent. Right? Here, the, the greatest prophet ever came to, to call. But because the leaders of that day would not listen and would not come and be comforted, instead the result was exile, right? Now, Jeremiah 23 still... The Lord talks about how he's against the prophets because they aren't speaking according to his words. In 23.14 of Jeremiah, he says, Also the prophets of Jerusalem I have seen of horrible things, the committing of adultery and walking in falsehood. And they strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one has turned back from his wickedness. All of them have become, become to me like Sodom and like the inhabitants of Gomorrah. So his issue is that they have, rather than turning people back, they've strengthened them in their convictions of of it being okay to walk according to their own ways and not according to the ways of the Lord. 
in verse 16, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into futility. They speak a vision of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you will have peace. And as for everyone who walks in the stubbornness of his own heart, they say, calamity will not come upon you. But who has stood in the counsel of the Lord that he should see and hear his word? Who has given heed to his word and listened or obeyed? You know, who has stood in the counsel of the Lord to say, what is your word, Lord? And now let me hear and obey what is your word. So the Lord says that he's going to judge those prophets. Can, and I'm not going to read all of this, but later on in the, in the chapter of Jeremiah 23, the Lord talks about how the people consider his words, his true words that he is giving to the prophets, a burden. And your translation may say oracle. It's not oracle. If you read oracle, Jeremiah 20, the last part of Jeremiah 23 really doesn't make sense because oracle is kind of like an utterance or just a word. And I, I have now I have to actually read a little bit of it since I've said this. Okay. So now when this people or, or the prophet or a priest asks you saying, what is the oracle or what is the burden of the Lord? Thank you, Jeremy. This is here. Uh, when they say, what is the burden of the Lord? You shall say to them, you are the burden and I will cast you off, declares the Lord. Okay, what's, what was going on here? This word, some people said oracle, right? Sometimes it's translated burden. It's really, it's a word for burden. But it was a word of the Lord that the people were saying, this is a burden. It's more like the prophet's coming to me. I really don't want to hear what the prophet has to say. And I say, so what's the burden of the Lord today? What's the bad word for you that you have for me today? So they're really scorning the Lord's call to return. And the Lord said, the Lord is rebuking them. He says, as for the prophet priest or one of the people who says the burden of the Lord, I will punish that man and his household. Because now you're calling bad what God, what God is calling good. He says, thus shall you say everyone to his neighbor and everyone to his brother, what has the Lord answered or what has the Lord spoken? Right, because that's respectful. What's the Lord answered? What has he spoken? But the burden of the Lord you shall mention no more, for the burden is every man's own word, and you pervert the words of the living God, the Lord of hosts, our God. Okay? So there's really a call that we have to have of saying, of being willing to hear the word of the Lord and say, even though I don't like what I'm hearing, his word is true and good. You know, even though his word might cut deep, might be something that I don't, I'm not really wanting to walk in or wanting to change, but I have to turn my heart and align it to say, no, he is the true, righteous, faithful God, and receive it, not to call his word or his commandments a burden, but to say they're good and their life to those who find them. And that any time that he's reaching out to me with a word like that to come back to him, it's out of love and this, this desire to be the comforter. To say, I know, I want to take you in under my wings. I want to be that comfort to you. So if we're hearing people setting aside the word of the Lord such that we can hear what we want to hear, and we know we're, we're in a precarious place. Run. You know, I, I don't know where it says, somewhere in the epistles, talks about people who seek out those who will tingle their ears. They want to they hear the words that make them feel good. It's like, those aren't always going to be the words that bring life. I want to talk about, you know, fun things. I don't want to talk about false prophets. I don't want to talk about rebukes. A lot better, right? But... The thing is, we we need to hear these things because days are coming and already are where there are false teachings and false prophets. And we have to know how to discern what is true such that we will recognize what is leading to life and what leads to death. Now, I mentioned that our half portions, actually, the, the next seven half portions are all from the book of Isaiah. Okay, I know I mentioned that last week, and they, these are the seven half of consolation. 
They're an encouragement to us because it's calling to a people that have been broken and saying there's yet hope, right? This exile is not the end. It's not over. Instead, God has good intentions and plans concerning you. So in Isaiah 40, Scripture says, Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice calls out, says, a voice says call out. Then they answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. The word of our God stands forever. And I don't know if you remember when Yeshua says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Right? The word of our God stands forever. So God's calling out and saying, call out to those who don't have Comfort, tell them comfort, comfort, right? Because God is going to make the way. And, you know, when we hear this, when we hear these verses, God has said that he was going to, to be the shepherd over his people, right? That he was going to seek out and to save the lost. And, and it also in some of our other passages that we're going to read in the coming weeks, um, he says, it is I, I am he who comforts you. Right? So he's the comforter. And he sends Yeshua as a comforter. And before Yeshua leaves, he says, I'm going to send you another comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. Right? So God's about sending comforters to call people back to him. And in this passage in Isaiah, it speaks of the one who calls from the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. And speaking of comfort, and the word for comfort is nechamu in this passage, in Isaiah 40, verse 1. Nechamu, nechamu ami, comfort, comfort my people. The name Menachem is, it means comforter. In, in Hebrew, it's like from or out of comfort. Right? And Menachem is known as one of the names of Messiah, according to uh, the teachings of the sages. And so when Yeshua comes as a comforter and as Messiah, it makes a lot of sense. Now, making straight the way of the Lord should give us images of John the Immerser. Right? And I don't know exactly where this is. So I'm not going to look for it. But, so... John the Mercer came, right, as the one who's going to prepare the way of the Lord. And he came preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent, right? So he was calling people back to walking, not to the right or to the left, but according to the ways of God. And in doing so, he was making ready the way of the coming Messiah. Right? He said, one's coming out. He said, I'm not the Messiah, but one coming after me is the Messiah. Right? So he was preparing the way, one calling out in the wilderness. And he continued in, the, in that ministry, and then Yeshua came, was baptized by John. Right, He was immersed in John's presence. And then Yeshua went out in the wilderness, and then he began his ministry. Well, not long after all that, John the Immerser was beheaded. Right? And after John the Immerser was beheaded, Yeshua moved to Capernaum. And then he began his ministry out of Capernaum. Now, when you just read Capernaum, that doesn't mean a whole lot. It's like, hey, he moved to a new, new, new place, right? But Capernaum in Hebrew is Kepharnachum. It's the village of comfort. Okay? So Yeshua, who was sent as the comforter, 
when it came time to begin his ministry, moved to the village of Comfort, from which place he would proclaim comfort to Israel, to all who would listen and be drawn into him. There's God. It is I, I am he who comforts you, right? And he so desires to bring forth that comfort. In, in our portion this week, this is another reason why it was kind of difficult. Because in this portion this week, I love reading this portion. There is so much about this rah-rah, like, this is our God. Look how awesome and mighty he is. And look how much goodness he has for you. And it's a big, like, rally and cry, you know? And so, but we, we still get to do that, so that's good. Um, in this, all right, so we've read a little bit from, from Deuteronomy 4. And I do want to go back there again. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 25, Moses says, When you beget children and grandchildren, and will have been long in the land, you will grow corrupt and make a carved image, a likeness of anything, and you will do evil in the eyes of the Lord your God to anger him. I appoint heaven and earth this day to bear witness against you that you will surely perish quickly from the land to which you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You shall not have lengthy days upon it, for you will be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will lead you. There you will serve gods, the handiwork of man, of wood and stone, which you do not see and do not hear and do not eat and do not, do not smell. So Moses knows that an exile is coming because... Because God will send the children of Israel out of the house. He'll kick them out of the house so that he doesn't destroy them. To bring about a condition in which repentance will occur. And then he can comfort them. Right? And that's what we see here in verse 29. From there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have befallen you at the end of days, you will return unto the Lord your God and hearken to his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon you nor destroy you, and he will not forget the covenant of your forefathers that he swore to them. Inquire now regarding the early days that preceded you from the day when God created man on the earth and from one end of the heaven to the other end of the heaven. Has there ever been anything like this great thing or has anything like it been heard? Has the people ever heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you have heard and survived? Or has any God ever miraculously come to take for himself a nation from amidst a nation with challenges, with signs and with wonders and with war and with a strong hand, with an outstretched arm and with greatly awesome deeds? such as everything that the Lord your God did for you in each before your eyes. So you have been shown in order to know that the Lord, he is the God. There is none beside him. That's an awesome God. That is an awesome God. And going forward, you know, the answer to all of this You know, the idea of religion, what do we stumble upon, what do we turn to? Wanting the worship of God in our life, our relationship with him to be interwoven. It all comes, uh, it all comes back to what we say at the beginning of all of our services. It's encapsulated in the Shema. And as part of our portion this week in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 9. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your resources. And these matters that I command you today shall be upon your heart. Teach them thoroughly to your children. And you shall speak of them while you sit in your home, while you walk on the way, when you retire and when you arise. Bind them as a sign in your hand, and they will be emblems between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. In the eyes of God here, these commandments are not to be a religion. 
They're to be part of the fabric of your life. They're to be in your heart. Okay, what's your heart? Your heart is your mind, right? I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not turn away from you, such that your thoughts are always on God's commands. Now, you know, your heart is also your core and your desire for the Lord. But, you know, when Scripture's talking actually about your mind, when it, when it says the heart, but we can, we can certainly gather from both. It's like when I'm worshiping and I just feel this deep awe and love of the Lord, that's like, that's like my body, mind, and soul all coming into an agreement of how awesome God is. That's, that's what we're to be. It's not to be. If, if, you're, if your observance is just that one time a week that, that you go to a worship service, then okay, yeah, that's just religion, right? But if you are doing what God says here, that when you lie down, when you arise, when you walk on the way, in your comings and your goings, right? Is God really a part of the fabric of your life? Is he really part of your heart? That's where true worship is coming forth from. And that's what he's calling us to. That's what he's calling us to. Let's, uh, let's go to the end of our parsha, and then there we'll wrap up. In Deuteronomy 6, the Lord says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be for him a treasured people above all the peoples that are on the face of the earth. Not because you are more numerous than all the peoples did the Lord desire you and choose you, for you are the fewest of all peoples. Rather, because of the Lord's love for you and because he observes the oath that he swore to your forefathers, did he take you out with a strong hand and redeem you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You must know that the Lord your God, he is the God, the faithful God, who safeguards the covenant and the kindness for those who love him and for those who observe his commandments for a thousand generations. And he, re- and he repays his enemies in his lifetime to make him perish. He shall not delay for his enemies. In his lifetime he shall repay him. You shall observe the commandment and the decrees and the ordinances that I command you today to perform them. And you know, Yeshua doesn't say, he says something very similar. In John 14 he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. We want a revelation of Yeshua, right? We want a revelation of Yeshua. We want to encounter him. When we come here on Saturdays to worship God, it's not just an event. It's a chance of encounter. You know, in in our prayer times, it's a chance of encounter, right? And in all the things that God has given us to do, it's a chance of encounter such that we can have Yeshua manifest himself to us. And that's that's to be the desire of our heart. Not such that we can say, oh, look, I'm very religious and very pious and I'm better than you. Right? It's, to, it's for the purpose of encounter. It's so that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And this chapter is so much a call of seek the Lord with all your heart. Seek the Lord with all your heart and forget none of his commandments and none of his benefits. And his commandments do bring life. Time and time again, his word says it. So there's renewal in him and we just give thanks for the great comfort that we've received through Yeshua. And we look forward to the fulfillment, the, the completion of that when the exile is over and Yeshua reigns from Jerusalem. Anybody have anything that you wanted to share? No, I just had a question about false prophets and stuff. You know, because it's an important subject to talk about as well, too. You know, I guess my question is, as the, as the body of Say these messages. What is the body of the church supposed to do in that 
that sense. Like, how do we, in a loving manner, either rebuke it or how do we come together and just, you know, wade through that decision making? I guess that's what I'm curious because the idea is, hey, it's coming. You know, you hear these things, and some of it's maybe even now in this midst of the day and stuff. And I think the idea is you're supposed to come with an act of love and stuff like that, and maybe an act of correction. So I'm just saying, how do we as a body and stuff like that, or the church itself, be able to correct that and, and, and have a voice and be able to do that? Because I think God's going to defend himself and stuff like that. I believe that. But I also think there's a responsibility for us that we need to be able to have knowledge. So I guess that's a question. I just, through that, that's what I've been thinking about. So, uh, that's a good question. I don't know that I have a, a great answer on it. Um, because... You know there are there are various circumstances where perhaps uh, something is said within the, the broad body, right? And perhaps where we would address it here and say, "Hey, this is what's been presented," and but then let's take it and let's look at it according to the scripture and say, "Does it hold up?" Um, to go and engage, I guess really it's. It, Kind of somewhat what's your platform and how would you engage people? You know, relationally is the best way to do it. You know, um, and of course in love. There was an example that's on my mind about uh, a church in Georgia just outside of Atlanta probably a year ago. Yeah, a little over a year ago came out with a teaching series about how the church needs to unhitch from the Old Testament and cast off everything and uh, essentially start afresh. And there's a very big, um, I mean, I think it's maybe the largest church in the nation. Okay. And, and so that was a big deal. And First Fruits of Zion, they came out with a response to it and wrote a book and I think did a video kind of saying, this was said, but here's what the truth is, right? And so they took their, a platform and they put this out there for the broad body of believers to be able to see an alternate view, to say, well, what does the scripture say? And, and this that is being said is misleading, right? It's leading the people away from God's truth. Um, and I, I know that that had good success. So that was one way in doing it. Um, I think one of the least effective is to go put out a web page that says so and so is a false prophet, and then let me just rail on. Because <laughs> you can pretty much Google anybody. You might even be able to like check my name out and see if you can find false prophet, um, <laughs> or false teacher, or whatever. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think you can, but <laughs> don't don't go check that. Um, but um, but. You, you can find those on just about everybody. You know, it's like, well, that's not really effective. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm sure I did not adequately answer that question. But I think there are things that we can have discussions about and say, wait, I, I heard this. How does this line up? And where we need to be going back to is the scripture as opposed to thoughts of, well, God really doesn't want religion. He really wants this spiritual expression. So that becomes our new truth. It's like, well, yeah, God does want us to worship in spirit and truth, but in spirit and truth according to his word. So we need to be able to support it here. But we have to know the word to actually be able to recognize the lie. If we don't know the word, we're not going to recognize when something sounds off. And so that's why we have to be in the word and we have to be studying we don't have to have all the answers, but you know what? When we're gathering together, we'll have more of the answers, right? So if we are off on our own, we're in more danger when the wolves come out, right? Because what do wolves do? They pick off the loner. They pick off the weak, the straggler, right? And so that's another reason we need to be together. And, and you know, I, I mentioned earlier how great it was to see some faces I haven't seen. And man, it is so good. Uh, we've been watching this series called Alone. And, and it's about people who are uh, they, they're trying to survive in the wilderness. And they're dropped off in this remote place. 
all by themselves, and they try to survive as long as they can. It's a competition. Whoever does the best gets 500000 And it's so interesting to watch people's uh, thoughts and mentality throughout the, the process. And so many struggle because they're alone. And they start to realize how much they need human interaction. And how critical it is. And I, I saw a uh, little stat popped up. Talked about some of the things that can happen to people who've been deprived of relationship. And, and one of the things said, you know, people who've been deprived of this, they have a 26% greater chance of death. And I was like, I, I thought it was always 100%. But... Um, Everyone's <laughs> gonna die, right? But so they had. There was some other criteria in there that would explain the twenty-six percent. But you know, the idea was that we really need relationship. Um, One of the things that happens is you start talking to volleyballs. <laughs> oh, wait, what's that? <laughs> yeah, you do start talking to volleyballs and naming them Wilson, and and then the people watching the movie cry when Wilson gets lost, and it's terrible, you know. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But, yeah. So, anyway, the the need for community, I'm just trying to say it's very important on multiple levels for our health, for our, um, for our well-being in the, in the Word and in our faith, right? You really can't live out Torah alone. It's meant to be lived together in community. And I'm so thankful for all of you and the community that we have to be able to walk this out together. Another, sorry, another challenge of that question that man was asking me was, how do I identify a false prophet? Then another question would be, how do you identify a good prophet? Because mm-hmm. nowadays we have so many different theologies and understanding of the scripture uh, that makes it even more challenging to say, who is it really a true prophet? Now we identify a prophet by saying, okay, well, you had a dream, you had a vision. And from this point on, the person takes upon themselves the title of prophet. And they start a ministry, and it goes big, and everybody follows it. Uh, when visions and dreams can be given to any of them, uh, that necessarily, doesn't necessarily make a person a prophet. So what is it, or who is it a true prophet? Uh, Those are good questions. And luckily our time is up. <laughs> <laughs> Torah study. Torah study. <laughs> yes, Torah study. Uh, <laughs> saved, by, saved by the bell. Yep, saved by the bell because, I mean, you know, Jamie's going to you know, be, be on me if I, if I keep y'all over. So, no, but we can keep the, we can have discussions afterwards after y'all get your kids. And, uh, and at Torah study, that's a great opportunity to talk about some of these things. Um, yeah, those, the answers to that are complicated. Um, and so we, we really do have to have discerning hearts, and we, we need the Word, and we need the Spirit, and we need each other, right, to be able to, to, be able to know and to discern such that we, we don't go to the right or to the left. Yeah. Oh, Lord, we love you and bless you, and thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you are our comforter. We thank you, Lord, uh, that even in dark times, we know that you send your comforter. Lord, that you never leave us or forsake us, that it's your desire to see restoration, to see the return from exile, to see your goodness poured out on on your children. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be discerning, to know what is true and good to walk in. Help us, Lord, to know what are the weighty matters of your Torah, as well as the as well as the things that are not, Lord, that we would continue to grow in knowledge and understanding, Lord, that your words would be woven into us, Lord, that your word truly would be hidden hidden in our hearts, that it would be written on our hearts, as you said it would be, according to the Spirit, and that we could walk out of this renewed nature that you've given us, Lord, to live for you, to love you, to worship you, and to encourage and strengthen one another along the way, Lord, to seek and pursue righteousness and to have your glory revealed in our community and in our region and in the nations, Lord. We give you thanks and ask these things in the name of Yeshua. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this message, please consider sharing it with a friend or family member and help us out by giving a review on iTunes or other podcast platform. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org for additional teachings and information about visiting Emmaus Road in Kingwood, Texas. Thank you.